This is Tom Fox. Welcome to a special five-part podcast series, Integrity Matters, Culture, Training, and Compliance, sponsored by K2 Integrity. Over this podcast series, we will break down corporate culture, compliance training, and communications. Topics include breaking down the big picture on culture, espresso shots of training, skills development and regulatory changes, tailored and risk-based training, and operational aspects of training. In this five-part exploration, I am joined by Kobe Bambilia, Managing Director at K2 Integrity. With more than 15 years of global experience with complex Bank Secrecy Act and anti-money laundering compliance, sanctions programs, and regulatory enforcement actions, Kobe helps financial institutions meet the challenge of complying with BSA regulations, OFAC, and the Patriot Act, and assists those facing regulatory enforcement action. He helps financial institutions adhere to regulatory consent orders that mandate review and enhancement of AML compliance, BSA, OFAC, sanctions, policies, and procedures. He implements remedial actions and helps companies comply with consent orders that mandate transaction monitoring program lookbacks. I'm also joined by Tina Rampino, Associate Managing Director at K2 Integrity, where she manages and oversees multiple financial crimes compliance training engagement with the firm's global clients. During her career, Tina has developed extensive experience managing the training elements of regulatory remedial efforts for financial institutions under critical enforcement orders. Prior to joining K2 Integrity, she was the Vice President and Head of Compliance Training at Commerce Bank AG New York Branch. She was also Vice President of Compliance and Communication. In this concluding Episode 5, I'm joined again by Tina Rampino, who reviews key operational aspects of training, including budgeting, delivery, and more. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for our concluding episode. And today, we're going to take a look at operational aspects of training. I have back with me Tina Rampino. Tina is Managing Director, excuse me, Associate Managing Director at K2 Integrity. Tina, first of all, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. It's great to be here for our last episode in the series. It's been a lot of fun to speak to you and share my insights on these important training issues and best practices. Tina, uh, I am often asked about effective training and engaged training, but almost immediately after those questions are answered, the question comes up with, that sounds great, Tom. How can I fit this into my budget? That's always a question from every compliance officer I think I've ever talked to. So I really wanted to start with that topic, budget, finances, and really doing the types of training we've talked about throughout this podcast series economically. And I was wondering how you help a client think through that issue. That's a great question, Tom. And it's one that is surely on the minds of many out there today. So training budgets are often tightened during times of economic distress and institutions should really resist the urge to do this. Investing in training and professional development for employees can save money in the long run, both operationally and when it comes to regulatory requirements. An institution's greatest asset is their employees and especially when you're entrusting them to protect your institution from risk. Providing employees with ongoing training will help them to continuously refine their knowledge and skills, but also keep them engaged and incentivize them to take their role seriously. 
So developing and retaining employees is beneficial to financial institutions in the long run, and it also demonstrates sustain, sustainability with the compliance program. Instead of just cutting back on training budgets in general, institutions should assess the training needs as they align with the greatest risk and find ways to deliver the most targeted and relevant training across the enterprise. Delivery of training has become more important as exhibited by COVID, so institutions should really have a balance of online and in-person training, um, independent, on-demand, and self-guided training, and a hands-on training with an instructor so they get um, the variety in training options. Um, our Dolphin platform is a budget-friendly resource that helps institutions to diversify training opportunities and provides content that's continuously updated and relevant. Tina, I'd like to pick up on uh, really your last point or one of your points around uh, not simply uh, an economical way to fit training in your budget, but why training can save money in the long run. Could you give us some examples of ways that could happen? Yeah, thanks for asking that, Tom. It's important to reiterate because we've said it, skilled and experienced employees are a critical part of a sustainable and effective program. So while training may not be the highest priority when a compliance officer is looking at their list of money to spend for the year, training is critical in proactively reducing compliance errors and risk. A staff that feels the institution is investing in them and their professional growth has less turnover. So it's important that institutions appreciate the importance of career pathing and skills development, not just for regulators, but for the health and well-being of the institution. Kobe talked about this in the last episode, and it's about going beyond just ensuring that every employee completes training and passes an assessment. Training should also assess the skills needed for each role and provide a career path for employees. Employees want to know that they're growing within the firm. And management of those banks can then understand that, pe that the people that they have in those roles have the right training and they're experienced. So training is a resource bigger than what it looks like on paper. That's why budget and resources for training is so important. Training is a way to mitigate the risk within the institution, both in terms of real risks that come in the door every day and in demonstra demonstrating a sustainable way to do so. Tina, one of the key themes I've picked up throughout this podcast series has been the evolution of compliance training. And that evolution has been uh, in financial institutions. It's been with types of training that are more engaging espresso shots, for instance, but also from the regulators. So I was wondering if you might uh, have some uh, thoughts on the evolution of uh, regulators and regulatory appetites around training, because uh, I think as we all know, uh, regulators in many ways lead the way and financial institutions and, and companies might follow, but where do you see uh, regulators evolving into this area as well? Yeah, so just like the regulatory expectations are being heightened in other areas of compliance, this is also true with training. Regulators are more interested than ever in seeing that a financial institution is investing in a sustainable, scalable, and dynamic training program. They want to know that an institution understands their risks and that it demonstrates that 
with the training that's provided to their employees. So regulators are expecting more targeted and role-based training offerings and that the content is evolving as the risks evolve. Regulators are also more focused than ever on how financial institutions are assessing compliance skills needed for critical roles and demonstrating that their employees meet the skill requirements for the roles that they're in. They're assessing how a bank provides career pathing, professional development, and cross-training opportunities for their employees. This is not only to ensure sustainability of the program, but also shows flexibility as a financial institution adapts to changes that it might face, organizational, organizational or structural change or changes, as many do just due to a host of issues, ranging from regulatory remediations to right-sizing. Skills development has become critical in empowering employees to move into new roles as needs arise and offers growth opportunity, which is valuable beyond measure in the current environment that we're operating in. They want to know that compliance employees not only understand their institution's internal risk, policies, procedures, and the escalation processes, but also that they're staying current with industry best practices and emerging risks. Um, Tina, uh, another key theme I've really heard throughout this podcast series, and, and I probably should start off with my bias, which was you have training, obviously you update training as appropriate, you evolve the styles of communications you might use, but what I've heard in this podcast series is that, and I should also add training, it's not in a vacuum, but it's it's sort of set as a pillar by itself, but what I've heard is that uh, training is much more holistic and it's integrated into your compliance program. So as your risks change, your training needs to change. As your employee base trains, excuse me, changes, your training may need to change. And it's, I don't wanna say constantly evolving, but it's much more integrated into an overall risk management strategy that is evolving for the needs of that financial institution. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, absolutely, Tom. And that's really why it's so important for an institution to conduct an annual training needs assessment so that on an annual basis, they're reviewing the risks that are relevant to their institutions and considering things like regula regulatory changes, policy changes, maybe the, in the, the introduction of new products and services being offered and to really account for all of those factors when they're thinking about the training needs for the upcoming year. Um, another thing that regulators are looking for is really targeted training and being able to segment audience groups. So providing very role-based training for certain groups that might have a higher exposure to risk. And of course, what we've been seeing a lot of in working with our clients really is um, around compliance skills assessment and professional development career pathing. That's something that the regulators are looking a lot more closely at and wanting banks to understand um, the skills that are needed for the roles within their compliance teams. Well, Tina, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time and double, unfortunately, this is our final episode. But I was wondering if our listeners wanted more information on any of the topics we've touched upon today or K2 Integrity's role in compliance training, where could they go? 
To learn more, please visit our website, k2integrity.com, or you can find us on LinkedIn and Twitter. And Tom, thank you so much for having me. I know I can speak for Kobe and myself. It was a pleasure to share our insights with you. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this five-part series, Integrity Matters, Culture Training and Compliance, sponsored by K2 Integrity. For more information on K2 Integrity, please check out their website, www.k2integrity.com. This special five-part podcast series has been a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.